transform more because now you have guys like Diddy and Jay-Z who are moving themselves to the boardroom. Yeah. But the problem is they had to become a rapper yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. So what we need to do is figure out how do we get to that point without having to feel like, yo, we have to become a, a person to dance on stage as a rites of passage. Mm. Um, and so that, I feel like that's where we're going Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me the time. I promise it'll be worth it. So today, guys, I had the pleasure of interviewing Anthony Frazier, who is a digital strategist, tech entrepreneur, author, and public speaker. A Newark, New Jersey native, Anthony has a long history of mentoring, advising startups, and community infrastructures to solve real problems and build real solutions. Before joining Newark Venture Partners as one of their entrepreneur-in-residence, Anthony was one of the founders behind the startup, The Fat Startup. With well over a decade of experience in tech, media, speaking, and coaching aspiring entrepreneurs from underrepresented groups, he has developed a thoroughly different worldview. A published author, Anthony believes that success isn't something external. You can create your own luck, no matter your background or lack of experience, in the words of Anthony Fraser. This was a really great interview as me and Anthony just really had an extremely candid conversation around tech, his background as a black founder, raising capital, and everything in between. Okay, guys, that's enough from me. Let's get into the action. So, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. It's always a privilege when people like yourself reach out and I don't take these um, for granted. Awesome. Um, so, Anthony, when you're at, I guess, a WeWork event mm-hmm. or a Rockers event, um, how do you introduce yourself to people? I say, hey, I'm Anthony Frazier. I'm the entrepreneur in residence for Newark Venture Partners, a new venture capital firm in Newark, New Jersey. It's a $50 million fund started by Don Katz, and I'm there helping out startups, bringing startups into the city, and providing a platform for a lot of the entrepreneurs who exist in the city to learn more about venture capital and learn more about building startups. Awesome. So before we get into... But... Oh, oh, there's more? There's more? (laughs) I'm starting a new company, and I'm the CEO of of, uh, ABF Creative, which is a multicultural branded podcast network. So before we get into your current venture and new adventure partners, you have a true entrepreneurial resume. You know, you've done so many different things. You've worked in media, you've had startups, you've done this, you've done that. (laughs) Like, where did all of this kind of come from? Um, you know what? I just recently figured that out, man. You know, so you're probably the first person to really, you know, get a taste of that. Oh, well, exclusive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think everybody has a theme to their life. You right. know, I think when people think about their purpose, what they're on earth for, mm. you, you're not you're not on earth to do a single job. Yeah. You're on, you're on earth to perform a, a, a particular, um, uh, um, you're on earth to perform a set of jobs right. that follows a particular theme. Sure. So your purpose is really a theme. 
And so when people go saying, oh, my purpose is to do this particular job, I'm like, they don't know yet that mm. they haven't found the theme. And so my theme is storytelling. Mm. I like igniting. I like taking small stories and putting them on a bigger platform, making right. them large, making them huge. That's what I'm that's what I'm on earth to do. And so everything that I've done in my life, all these different ventures, I think it came from the eagerness of seeing it come from one thing and becoming something huge where everybody can see it, admire, and learn from. Uh, that came from video games, that's my interest in filmmaking, and now my interest in podcasts. It's all following that theme of how do I ignite and blow up and make larger a small thing into a large thing, into a large story that everybody can enjoy. Right, and I guess in addition to storytelling, another theme, I guess, is you know, you're really passionate and you're a huge advocate for um, people of color in tech as well. Yeah, I mean, but that's if I was the same storytelling thing, because right. right now, when you think about people of color in tech and you think about underserved markets, it's mm. still a small story because it's being ignored. And so, my passion for that came from how do I bring this to the light? How do I bring this on a bigger, a larger stage? How do I make sure that more people know about these young people who exist that are people of color who have great ideas but aren't getting opportunities that their white counterparts are getting? Right. You know, and so... Is that yeah. what led to your first project, the coalition? Yes. Oddly enough. Um, you know, when we thought about video games, you know, you usually thought about this overweight, fat, geeky, white nerd in the basement playing video games, or even the opposite of that would be the better version of that would be a white, geeky, yeah. in shape yeah, <laughs> playing yeah. video games. Yeah. And, but it was never like a black person mm. or a person of color. And mm. it was like, okay, well, why not? You know, that's not the way I grew up. I grew up, my uncle introduced me to Tecmo Bowl. You know, I played Tecmo Bowl on Neo Geo. That was my first time playing video games. I have no I, I idea just, what those things are. Yeah, right? But that was like <laughs> Nintendo's like first, um, you know, one of their first consoles in America, the oh, Neo wow. Geo. And I was just like, well, why well, am I hearing about my story? Like, mm. why does it always have to be this geeky, you know, nerdish thing? And that culture, I was like, well, there's different layers to this culture. This is video game culture. And, yeah. And the layer that, that talked about, that, that involved and included people of color was being ignored. And so, yeah, we started the coalition to tell that story. Right. So how did you guys start? What was the first thing that you did? I mean, honestly... Um, the site wasn't called The Coalition at first. The right. site was called, um, I'm not going to say the name, but the site was called something else that I came, it was a name that I came up with. Mm. And it was about, uh, we had a lot of people with us. It was like an online movement. The funny part is nobody knew each other. We all kind of communicated right. through Skype and yeah. put every, you know, we had people from London, we had people from, you know, uh, Scotland, you wow. know, we had, uh, you know, a guy from Houston and, and I was from Jersey, you know, and it was just like all over the place. Yeah. Um, but we were very organized and we were doing really well. Um, and then one day, you know, I was, I was the leader of the site. One day, you know, people, there was some, there was a sect, a group of people who didn't like the way I was running the company. The rebels. And they decided to take the company from me. How'd you mean? And, huh? How'd you mean they took it from me? Because, you know, we were sharing, like, hosting accounts. And this was early in the game. This is, like, my first thing. So I didn't yeah. know anything about nothing. You know, it was mm. like, who's going to get the hosting account? Who's going to do this? And there's a group of people who had just kind of control over certain things. And right. uh, I remember my internet went, went out for a week. You know, I didn't have the internet for a week. Um, 
for some strange reason. I think something happened to the wires in the, the, the neighborhood. And, yeah. And when I got back on, this is before you can go to, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have like a laptop situation where I could just, yeah. you know, me and my brother shared a laptop. So it's not like I can go, you know, to a coffee shop and, yeah. and, and booze off the Wi-Fi. So like when I got back on the internet, that's when I discovered that, hey, everybody took everything from me. You know, and wow. there was a group of writers who was like, hey, man, that's really fucked up. We like what you're doing. Ant. We, we like your vision. We're going to roll with you. And that's when we all started the coalition. And the coalition is still up and running today. I was going to say, yes, it's, it's still, still up, up and running. It's still alive and kicking. Yeah, the, the team is actually flying out to E3 um, this weekend. Oh, wow. So going back to that initial project, was there no, like, nothing legally you could do? No, nah, there was nothing legally I can do. You had no contracts? Nothing, no one had no any? No contracts, no nothing. It was just a group of passionate guys about video games and we wanted to... But when we did the coalition, we did everything right. right. It was like, yeah. oh, hell no. Yeah. Like, that was my first lesson. I, yeah, was like, yeah. I got burned. You got burned hard. I got yeah. burned hard. But you know what's crazy is that the coalition, not only did we come back strong, we came back and we over... We, we outperformed the, the, the old site. Right. You know, those group of guys, they're, they're, not, they're no longer around. Mm. Those guys are no longer around. And we outperformed them. And they, they were just super jealous of us. Mm. You know, they were so jealous that they were actually taking out advertisements that had my face on it and say, can you believe the hype? Mm. You know, because the site was, um, you know, the site had the, the, site had the, the word hype in it. Yeah. You know, their site, it was called hype. And so they were using my face and putting it on ads and, you know, as like a joke and of yeah. jealousy, you know, because we were doing so much better than them. And wow. we were winning awards. We won a Black Web Blog Award in, wow. 20, I think, 2012 or yeah. something like that, or 2011. Like, we were just really out there. We were being recognized. So the coalition is still around. I mean, I guess, did you raise money for that? Where, was it generating uh, nah, revenue? You know, the initial set of money for the coalition came from... Um, a, a gracious <laughs> donor, Randy Randy Ledette, um Jr., um, who was uh, he was a co-founder of the coalition, and he's from Indiana. Uh, he was the guy who kind of solely funded. You could call him the investor. Mm. You know, he was like, "Yo, I believe in your vision. I believe in what you got, and I want to see it through." And he he donated um, his his money to to the cause and been up ever since. Wow. So how much traffic did it get all at its peak? Um, at its peak, we were getting about maybe like 200,000 uniques a month. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of views, man. Yeah. For I a so-called niche. For a so-called niche Yeah, audience. for a so-called niche. The thing is, like, to get even 10,000, like, when you think about business in general, when you think about a business and you want to be making money online, there are guys right now who are making $100,000 from just getting... 10,000 uniques a month. Mm. We were getting 200. Wow. We weren't able to monetize like that. You know, because this was at a time when you, you really couldn't figure out a way to monetize. The only way to monetize is throw ads on the site. Yeah. And that's the reason why I couldn't, you know, only do that for a living. Mm. And that's what got me into everything else I'm doing. So then your next project was Play. Yeah, I jumped into Play. Actually, Play was a little bit further down because what happened is um, I was doing the coalition and I ended up taking an internship at a startup called Bubbleon. Yeah. Once I learned the ins and outs from Bubbleon, how to run a tech startup, how to do this, how to manage a team, work with developers, things of that nature, I approached the, the, the guy who was the lead investor for Bubbleon and I pitched and played and he invested and played. Wow. After that. Yeah. How much did you raise for Play? 
a hundred thousand dollars. Just off an idea. Just off an idea. Good old days. But, <laughs> you know, but that's what we talked about this off the air when we talked about networks. And yeah, people. exactly. And yeah. so, uh, an investor rarely invests in an idea. An investor invests in you. Exactly. And so the thing is, this guy didn't just say, "Hey, Anthony has a great idea. I'm giving him a hundred thousand mm. dollars." It was more so like, "Hey." Anthony has a good idea, and I saw how hard he worked for this bubble line company for about a year now. I saw how he's helped them grow their traffic. Mm. I saw how much authority he has in a certain niche. Yeah. I'm going to make a bet on him. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. So, so what was the premise for Play? Play was supposed to be the Foursquare video games. Yeah. We were trying to go out So this there. was like your first real product. Yeah. This was my first real product. You know, We wanted to be like the Foursquare video games, and we wanted to like make a universal loyalty system mm. for video game purchases because the thing is used games were like killing the market yeah used games were putting like gamestop out of business and i still believe gamestop is dying you mm. know gamestop is doing the, the best to hold on to their life mm-hmm. and but i think that that's going away and what i wanted to do was kind of be someone to help stop the bleeding yeah that's all and then you guys received a ton of press. Yeah, we were on CNN, Black in America. They followed me when I was um, in Silicon Valley. I got accepted into the New Me Accelerator out there in Silicon Valley. Um, and CNN followed us while I was in that program. So it was That's pretty amazing. interesting. Yeah. So I launched uh, shortly after the, the program aired. So. And how big did it get? The app, we grew to about 30,000 active users a month, man. Nice. Um, we were doing really well. The reason why the company failed is because, uh, you know, we started to get some API trouble with Microsoft and yeah. Sony. You yeah. know, Microsoft came out with Smart Glass, which mm. was kind of like an app that did the same thing. Sony had aspirations to do the same thing. Mm. But then also GameStop had an app that was very similar to mine. Wow. And when the leader, the lead retailer in the industry encourages people not to work with you um then you get you get you, you get blackballed you get yeah. blackballed yeah. and so i'm not gonna say i was blackballed yeah but i'm gonna say that it's very hard for me to make the partnerships that I, I, thought, I thought i could make and the one partnership that i did have um brewing was with thq okay. you know the thq they put out all the wrestling games they yeah. put out um they also put out uh what you call it um Saints Row, and Saints Row was going to be the first game we launched with. So they were going to have an insert in there and say, hey, if you download Played and you scan the app and check in within the first week of purchasing Saints Row, you'll get this free DLC. Mm. So it was going to put, give people the incentive to go buy the game within the first week. Yeah. Um, THQ went bankrupt. Ugh. <laughs> Before I launched with them. Uh. <laughs> That is stressful. Yo, man. <laughs> God can write a script like I that. Know, I know, I know. man. <laughs> so, you know, that happened. And so, and uh, I just kind of, I could have, honestly, I could have, um, could have kept the company going by pivoting. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I feel like I still had a market to get into the digital game manuals yeah. and things of that nature. But you know what? I was like, because we had a very unique technology. We had a technology where you can scan the back of a box and that would check you into the game. So and was this so before like QR codes and like barcode nah. scanning? Um, no, it was about the same time though. Right. Those things kind of took off. Leveraging those technologies. Yeah, and so we were like, well, we're going to scan the barcode on the back of the game. Yeah. And in digital games, you can log in with your Xbox Live or your PSN account sure. and, and you can check in that way. 
Um, so I thought I had a really good technology, and I think that technology could have been leveraged to do something else. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just decided, you know what? I learned a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I had a good run. I'm, I'm gonna take what I've learned and yeah. apply it to something else. Something and else. that's when I just shut the company down. Okay. Um, I just want to take it back a few steps. So, a lot of founders, you know, they want to raise money, especially in the early days, but some yeah. people don't necessarily know what to do with the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, could yeah, you break yeah. down what you've done with that first $100,000 of investment? Because like, I don't imagine you're not an you're not an engineer. Are no, you? I'm not an engineer. Okay. I'm not an engineer. I'm more of a business development, marketing, growth hacking guy. CEO, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess with the with the first chunk of money, did you hire an engineer? Or? My yeah, my first my first chunk of money went straight into development. Right. That's where my, my my money went straight into the development of the of the product, and so uh, you know we needed we had a very ambitious product you know as far as like scanning and you know having a game having to you know app recognize what game it was instantly like a lot of that stuff was pretty ambitious yeah. like at the time you know the only other person who had that kind of functionality was get glue and this was a company that had millions of dollars in investment and so um yeah you so know, was it an outsourced engineering team or did you hire people in? No, I had an in-house engineering team. Wow. You know, they weren't based in America, but they were they were part of my company. Sure. You know, they were based in Russia. Yeah. They got yeah. great engineers over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask, ask Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got really good engineers over there. Ask Trump and Hillary so, Clinton. <laughs> so so the, the majority of the money went straight to engineers. Majority of the money went straight to engineers and, of course, um, living expenses because sure. I was based in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Right. Um, marketing? Marketing was all grassroots, man. Okay. It was all like guerrilla marketing, man. So then, places over, plays over, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what's the next step? You're thinking, where do I go now? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of in limbo. I was like, yo, I'm just going to do stuff in the community. That's when I started Brick City Tech Meetup Group, yeah. which is based in Newark. I started doing a lot of Newark-based tech stuff because I was on the television show, mm. CNN Black in America. A lot of people were just like, hey, we want you to come speak. And that's mm. when I kind of started speaking in Newark, speaking in, around the country, speaking in Chicago, spoke at Black Enterprise. Right. Just doing, spoke at uh, you know, a lot of different conferences all over. Um, and uh, that's when I kind of got the knack to be like, yo, like maybe I'm... You know, best suited to kind of you know go out there and spread the word and inspire people in yeah. some kind of way because people resonated with me. I know a lot of people, you know, build themselves as like a quote unquote speaker, mm. um, and I wasn't necessarily someone who built myself as that. Yeah. Um, but I started to take it more seriously when people really started to resonate with what I was saying and how I was saying it, and I was just kind of being myself, and yeah. I was like, well. If people resonate that way, I'm going to take it serious. Yeah. And that's when I started to kind of get into that. Yeah. So as we said earlier, you know, one of the themes, I guess, in your journey has always been to be an advocate for minorities in tech. Yeah, yeah. So what issues have you kind of encountered as a minority in tech? And why do you think it's just that much harder for minorities in tech at this um, time? Well, when we talk about minorities in tech, there are two two different kinds. There are people who work at tech companies mm. and there are people who are entrepreneurs. Right. And so me, I can only kind of mostly speak on the entrepreneur side, sure. on the on the on the working at a tech company side, there are tons of issues. Yeah. That's that's something that's a whole that goes different deep. Piece. Yeah. 
you know, but on the entrepreneur side, it's a lot of the same, um, but in different different ways. And, you know, one of the ways is, yeah, a lack of investment, you know, a lack of investment dollars. We talked about, you know, how I got that first 100000 because this guy sat there. He got to know me. He got to know what I like. He got to know my network. He got mm. to know what I was able to do. And that's usually how investment works. Yeah. Through the network. Yeah. Like, hey, people getting to know you. I know this person that knows that person. And Silicon Valley has a whole bunch of people that knows people that knows people that knows people. Mm. The problem with people of color is they don't exist in those networks mm. for the most part. You got a few that exist in them, but not a lot of people. No. So because they don't exist in those networks, they're not able to show who they are and what they can do and therefore get investment because they know that person. It's a very people thing. Yeah. That's one thing I found out, you know, in the entrepreneur side, that that's a big problem for people of color. Uh, the other thing is um, the lack of awareness. You know, I think that young people need to see people to be inspired to be that. Mm. You know, like you wouldn't want to be a basketball player if you never saw Michael Jordan. You right. know, there's a lot of people who saw Kobe Bryant and said, I want to be a basketball player. Yeah. There's a lot of people who see, you know, 2 chains and they say, oh, I want to be a rapper. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who see, you know, so, you know, now that, you know, Barack Obama, you know, became president, thank God, you yeah. know, now it's going to have a lot of young people have, you know, hey, I want to be a president. Yeah. And, and now that's not, that's not some, you know, fairy tale that, yeah. you know, you tell your kid to make them feel good at night no more. Like, yeah. it's, it's reality. <laughs> it's like, real, you yeah. could be the president, yeah. you know. Two times. Yeah, two times. <laughs> you, could be the, you could be the president for eight years, yeah. bro. You know, so, um, you know, Hidden Figures was a movie that came out to show black, you know, women engineers who mm. were integral in NASA, yeah. you know, um, in space exploration. I think these are important stories, yeah. you know, because it does, it, what it does is it does, it plants a seed. Yeah. And the seed don't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. Who knows what the seed looks like inside of a person, but there's a seed there. And for a lot of black young people, you know, I think the problem is we don't see a lot of black entrepreneurs in the tech space. Right. We don't see a lot of black entrepreneurs even in the media space. Yep. Um, who are really, really successful, who aren't really necessarily doing what black people are known to do to get rich, which yeah. is... Sports and Become a rapper, yeah. or you know, and entertainment and media are two different things. A lot of people see people in entertainment and think, "Oh, I want to be an actor." Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But who's giving Ice Cube those checks? Yeah. Who's giving Kevin Hart the money to go do this movie? Mm. You know, like, can I be in that position? Yeah, to be the guy who pays Shaq yeah. instead of the guy who is Shaq. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think good. that's that's the, the missing piece. But I think we're starting to see it transform more because now you have guys like Diddy and Jay-Z who are moving themselves to the boardroom. Yeah. But the problem is they had to become a rapper yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. So what we need to do is figure out how do we get to that point without having to feel like, yo, we have to become a, a person to dance on stage as a rites of passage. Mm. Um, and so that, I feel like that's where we're going now. And I guess apart from like the investment side and the financial side, what could founders of color do and be poor, be, be more proactive with? Um, there's several things. You know, Jim Rohn is one of my favorite, uh, you know, personal development authors, speakers, motivators. 
And it's a quote that he said. He said, you know, formal education can make you a living, but, uh, you know, self-education can make you a fortune. Yeah, that's good. And to me, we need more of that. Mm. We need to read more books. Yeah. Like, books are the cheat code. Yeah. Like, there's nine times out of ten, everything you're going through, somebody has been through it. So you don't have to repeat their problems or their challenges. Or you can go through the ones you're going through right now easily, more easily. So... I just think self-education needs to be more promoted. Yeah. You know, picking up a book doesn't have to be reserved just for school, man. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, that was that was the that's the issue. Like a lot of kids are like, oh, school books. No, school, get this money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that's read books, get this money. Yeah, like yeah. that's what it's gotta be. That's true. I think, you know, it's the association. Like mm. when, when you think about books, you're thinking like, oh, I wanna read about I don't, you know, I don't want to say that, but I don't want to read about, you know, George Washington today. You yeah. know, and then that's, to them, that's what they associate mm. books with. But we need to figure out, we need to re-change the narrative and say, yo, this guy is giving you how he made a million bucks. Yeah. You need to soak that game up, yeah. man. And, and, and figure out how you can go do that. Yeah. And, and make books cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make it cool. I think that's what needs to happen. Mm. Um, and... Infiltrating these networks, man. Yeah. Infiltrating, growth hacking. Yeah. We need to growth hack life, man. Yeah. We need to growth hack. Yeah. How do we get into these networks, man? How yeah. do we How do we go out here and do more and fail more? And, yeah. And we and, were talking and, about this earlier before we started. Yeah. Like the podcast being one avenue, or just you know, being in the right place at the right time, and exactly just always being open to exactly. opportunities. And this is why reading is important. If I didn't read, I wouldn't know how to fail. Yeah. If I didn't read, I wouldn't know how to make the best the right kind of friends yeah if i didn't read i wouldn't know how to get into the tech industry Mm. if i didn't read i wouldn't know how to you know uh set up a podcast like this like yeah Yeah. if i didn't read you know so it's like yo like the reason why we aren't getting anywhere because we're associating reading and education with going to college and getting a job yeah and it's not supposed to be that way. Mm. Like reading should be something you do to enhance your life, not enhance your your, your, your education at school. Yeah, it's supposed to enhance your education in life. In life, yeah. And so, we need to get kids on the, and on the, on the ball. Like, yo, I need to get the shortcut. You know, can you imagine? And this is this is the problem because in you know mostly white you know neighborhoods and mostly white families, this is you know reading is. It's not something that you have to. They have to force on the mm. children because they give like, them different books. You know, yeah, they read like books they, for leisure. They already know. Yeah, they know. that's why they're programming at yeah, the age of seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's why they're learning. Like I look at Ty Lopez, and he he has these kids who listen to him. He's an online yeah, yeah, internet marketer, very yeah. popular, questionable, you know, tactics. But <laughs> overall, like. <laughs> He has 15-year-old kids, and every time he says, yo, this is 15-year-old, he's making $90,000 a month now. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, that kid is white. Mm. You know, because he's read, he's listened to Ty Lopez's advice. Yeah. When Ty Lopez first started marketing on the internet, he said, yo, I got this Ferrari. I'm here in my garage with this Ferrari. I got this big car. I got all this. I got this big mansion. But he said, you want to know how I got all this? I read a book a day. I read a book a day. Yeah. He gave you everything you needed right there. Yeah. The reason why people jumped in because they always got this psyche saying this it's gotta be more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not more. It's basically <laughs> told you everything in the first video yeah. saying, yo, I read a book a day and that's why I'm a millionaire. Like, yeah. okay. It's 
There it is. Yeah, like, that's, yo, it. that's the secret. It is the secret. Yeah. That's no. So I, I I saw a documentary with Warren Buffett um, on a plane. I was flying back from Canada. It was a long ass flight because I wasn't in Toronto. I was in Alberta. So oh, wow. it's like seven hours. And so I saw this documentary with Warren Buffett, man. And yo, his his whole fortune, everything that Warren Buffett is today, came from reading. Mm. Like, how many people got to tell you the secret yeah. before you before you recognize it? Tim Sanders is a mentor of mine. I've read his book, Love is the Killer App. On his on he came and did an interview with me, and I asked him. I was like, "Yo, like, how did you get to where you are in life?" He said, "Yo, man, every book I every good book I read added ten thousand dollars to my net worth." Wow. wow. You know. Wow. Ryan Holiday, same thing. Yeah. So you know, I know you want to get onto other topics. No, no, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's good. Like, no, it's yeah. good. No, it's good. No, everything you're saying is yeah. so relevant, and people need to hear this for sure. Yeah, man, I need to hear this shit again. Man. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, I need to read a book today, yeah. man. Like, yo. So, okay, let's shift gears a little bit now. Yeah. Um, so, as an entrepreneur in residence, what do you spend the majority of your time doing at the moment? Um, at the moment, I spend a majority of my time building my company. Right. You know, um, my first part of this tenure, I spent a lot of time, you know, community engagement, mm. doing networking events, bringing in special speakers for the, for the startups here to be involved in and learn from. Right. Um, and then I also source deals. Like I bring in, you know, companies that I think could be good fit for the firm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people think is like, "Hey, it's a VC firm, give me money." But mm. you, know, you have to be a good fit, not just yeah. a good fit for the for the firm, as in what they like to invest in, but yeah. even them as investors. Like I know the personalities of the the managing partners here, right. and so like. Yo, if I see a company who I think is good for the firm, but also someone who can see, get a lot of value from the partners, yeah. then I bring that startup in and kind of talk and pitch to the investors here. So, um, you know, my time is just kind of spent, you know, doing a lot of those things. But lately, the majority of my time is really building up this new company, ABF right. Creative. Yeah, we're going to go into ABF Creative Definitely. in a moment. Because I've looked into the role of an entrepreneur in residence, and it's something I was actually quite interested in mm-hmm. doing myself. Um, but what did you want to get out of the experience? And um, have you? I'll be honest. Um, you know, I was only interested in the entrepreneur in residence role after I read Tristan Walker's. Like, I follow one of the entrepreneurs yeah. I followed a lot early in my career was Tristan Walker, who yeah. um, he was a business development lead at Foursquare. Foursquare. Uh, he worked at Twitter early in his career. Andreessen Horowitz. He, he became the entrepreneur residence at Andreessen Horowitz, and now he's the CEO and founder of Walking Company, yep. which has Bevel and a slew of other things that they plan to release, I guess. Right. Um, and they've raised about $32 million as well today or something. $30 million? Yeah. Oh, man, that's crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> I need to Google that when I got out of here. So, yo, when did that happen? But, um, yeah, I mean, yo, like, you know, when I see stuff like that, um, I saw him become the entrepreneur in residence and what the role did for him. And mm. what the role did for him was it gave him the time and space to figure out what he wanted to do next. Mm. But he had the mentorship of the investors at the firm with him. And he had the mentorship of the relationships that the firm had. Right. And um, he had the resources of the firm, like a place to work, an office, I'm guessing, an office space, uh, you know, some... Maybe they gave him a stipend, something, you know, maybe they gave him a salary. I'm not too sure about that. I don't know if that was ever public. I don't know. He's never told me anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, he just had a lot of just a lot of resources and time. And so I I wanted that. I was like, yo, like I'm folding up my company. 
I want to jump into my next venture, but I want to jump in um, with resources and the space and the, and the, and the, and the expertise around me mm. um, to do that. So it's, it's not different from any other entrepreneur. I guess is the, the, the only difference is just having um, a quote-unquote safety net right and not now nah, and i and i'm i'm only using the word safety net for a lack of better term you right. know it's not necessarily a safety net entrepreneurs don't have that yeah <laughs> but but just having it you know the the guidance and mentorship and resources mm. like here at new adventure partners you know i eat lunch every day you know um they they got catered lunch you know i have office space i have the fastest internet um in an in a nation with the uh the, the gigabit that's here in the city of Newark. Um, I have the expertise of the partners. Um, I have, you know, conference rooms if I want to hold yeah. meetings. and I have a lot of these stuff. I had a lot, I got a lot of resources. And yeah. so as a company, as me, as an entrepreneur, building a new company, these are things that I normally would have to pay for. Yeah. Or be, or be um, if not pay for, be like you know, mindful of. Have, yeah. have to be mindful of because it's like, yo, oh, do I have to go to a coffee shop today? Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And be annoyed with like, you know, blenders going off every ten <laughs> seconds and shit. Yeah. Like, yo, you start to appreciate, yo, yeah. being in the office and 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 having a place to work until ten at night. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, it makes so, a difference, huge difference. What have you learned so far? You know, you've been working at you know a new fund. You know, they got fifty million dollars. Um, these are quite respected investors yeah, so yeah. what have you learned so far since you've been here i mean i guess i learned how to be how to be a better entrepreneur mm. you know because i see what i see why they say no yeah like so that was the that was the thing you know um you know as on the investor side you see a lot of uh, you know decks come in and, and for me to just sit there and see what goes behind the decision making of why they say no to a company and why they say yes to a company. Sure. Um, that's priceless information. Mm. That's a priceless experience to me. Yeah. That's an experience I'm going to forever remember. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to get said no to. Like, yeah. I'm definitely going to get said no to yeah. a lot. You know, like everybody is going to get said no to. Of course. Uh, but um, the likelihood, my averages change, yeah. you know, because, because I know what, they look for. I know what investors look for. I know when to look for money. Like right yeah. now, as I'm building this company, I know, I know that I don't need the money right now. Mm. I need the money to scale. You don't need the money to start. Yeah. So a lot of people think they need the money to start. Mm. You don't need the money to start. Yeah. You need the energy, the time, the creativity yeah. to find a customer to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What you need money is to grow. Once you get to a point, like we just talked about, you know, building this company, and it's like, yo, if I have two clients, three clients, four clients, I'm like, yo, this is guaranteed money, but I don't have the, the people to, yeah. to execute on this. So That's when you're like, I need money so that I can hire a team mm. to do this that will bring back X amount of dollars. Yeah. So now that's when raising money is kind of important. Yeah. So, you, you know? so being um, an entrepreneur in residence, you've seen a lot of people try and raise money too soon. Oh hell yeah! Every day. Yeah. Every day, I've had people come to me and say, "Oh, you guys invested in this company. You should have invested in mine." And I'm like, "Show me what you have." And then they send me a deck with sketches. And it's like, <laughs> "All right, well, I respect I respect the the, the boldness and." Yeah. The, you know the the, the uh, you know the, the the energy and the mm. go get attitude, but yeah. 
you know, you're you're talking about you have your sketches is a better company than yeah. someone who's executed and yeah. has actual software. Yeah, and actual customers. Yeah, and actual customers. No matter how good you think your idea is better than, you know, these companies, mm. what separates one entrepreneur from the other is execution. Yeah. That's what separates and that's what investors want to see. If an investor says no and every week um, you get better and better and I would send him, I would send that investor an update. Yeah. I would say, "Hey, I know you said no, but you know, hey, I hope everything's well. Here's a bullet here's a bullet point list of things I've accomplished this month." Yeah. You might get turned that no to a yes over the course of a year. Yeah. Because but, if they see you executing, yeah. That's showing them something. You're showing them I'm not a quitter. You're showing them growth of your company. You're yeah. showing them your ability to, you know, those are those are important things to show an investor. That's good, yeah. Because you're basically building a relationship. Yeah. And And as you said earlier, that's how you get money from people by building relationships over time. And and, and they may be like, you know what? I'm I'm not investing in this guy now, but yo, month by month, this guy is growing. Mm. This company is growing. Like, yo, he's showing progress. And so when when you show, if, 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 if an entrepreneur showed an investor, you know, for six months, continuous growth for three months, four months, continuous growth. And then you ask that investor like, hey, you know, can I take you out to lunch to talk about this growth? Maybe you can give me ideas on how to go to the next level. Yeah. You know, he might grant you that meeting. Yeah. Because he sees that you're... You've earned it, yeah. You've earned it. You're you're persevering. And I remember someone said this to me one time, and I don't know where it originated, but they said if you ask for advice, you get money. You ask for money, you get advice. Yeah. So go ask for advice. Yeah. That's good. See what you get. Yeah. And then um, your current project, ABF yeah. Creative. Yeah, man. Yeah. What is yeah, it? Yeah. When did you start that? How's it going? Uh, you know, ABF Creative is a multicultural branded podcast network. So uh, what we do is we ha- work with large brands to help them create podcasts. Right. You know, we work in partnership with them. Right. How do you, release- you do that? Um, we work with them as we, we basically, almost like an ad agency, uh, we put together these six to ten episode series mm. where it talks on an important topic that's maybe important for the people that they're trying to reach. Right. So the first podcast is uh, called VC Cheat Sheet, which is available right now on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, everywhere podcasts can be found. We're pretty much there. Okay. And so, um, by the way, you're not allowed to promote other podcasts on my own podcast. Okay. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm joking. We <laughs> talk about venture capital, yeah, yeah. you know. So no, I'm playing. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And, and we released that, you know, in par- in partnership with Rutgers. And Rutgers has a, a Black and Latino tech initiative where yeah. they're trying to reach Black and Latino tech entrepreneurs. Right. And so it only made sense to make a podcast that's going to attract Black and Latino tech entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So why not make a, a podcast about venture capital and Absolutely. teaching Black and Latino tech entrepreneurs how to best position themselves to raise venture capital. So yeah. that's the vet, that's the first podcast that's out right now. And so if I was to work with any brand, you know, we work on an institutional brand with this one, but I can work with, you know, where we're talking with Toyota, we're talking with... Um, um, Warner Music Group. We're wow. talking with um, Tascam. We have a partnership with Tascam. They're our technology partner. Wow. Um, so we, we're doing a lot of different um, branded um, content. Yeah. But it's all branded podcasts of the content. Yep. And you mentioned earlier that you took a lot of inspiration from the guys at Gimlet Media. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love what Gimlet. I love Gimlet's ability to work with these companies. Um, and what inspired me was that because you know the reason why I'm doing a multicultural branded right. podcast um, network is because I feel like you know large companies often get it wrong mm. when you're trying to tell a story for multicultural audiences. They often get it wrong. Yeah. You know, I remember looking at a Reese's commercial when they were trying to like they had this black kid with a flat top rapping and shit. <laughs> I was just like, yo, like, how many times are we gonna do this? Like, it's yeah. 2017. Yeah, it's true. 2017, man. It's true. Like, how, 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 how? You know, I remember the, the Kendall Jenner. Pepsi just came out with the Kendall Jenner ad. Yeah. Um, and they had to take it down because she was like, they were exploiting the whole Black Lives Matter the protests that's going on, you know, and they and they felt like, oh, you know, we wanna we wanna ride that wave mm. and they came out with this ad with people smiling and protesting and yeah. shaking hands and uh, and somehow Pepsi solved the problems of black and white America. It's yeah. like, okay, uh they're just getting it wrong. Mm. Large companies continue to get the story and the narratives wrong. Yeah. They don't know what we care about, they don't know what we love, they don't know what we hate. Mm. They don't know what we uh they don't know our story. They don't know our culture. They don't know our heritage. Mm. And because they don't know these things, they often get the stories wrong. And yeah. so with ABF Creative, we're here to help them get it right. That's a good plug. There you go. <laughs> that was good. That was a good advert. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Where do I sign? Yeah, um, that's awesome. And you've also recently released a book. Yeah, yeah. I have a book. It's available on Amazon, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com called... Don't Dumb Down Your Greatness yeah. um, is the Young Entrepreneur's Guide to Thinking and Being Great. And, you know, writing a book is a huge achievement, but yeah. you actually told me something before yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you want to share that it's now. Cool. That's but, right. um, I'm very open about it. For some people, you know, writing a book is, you know, years of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, you know <laughs> they have to go to the mountains for, yeah, you know, a yeah, few yeah, months yeah. or a year <laughs> or two and, you know, get in the zone. But... Yeah. How did you write your book? I wrote it in a month, man. <laughs> I wrote it in a month. I announced it on my Facebook page. I told everybody, hey, I'm dropping a book. Didn't have one word written. Yeah. And dropped it within 30 days. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's uh, it was a challenge to myself. It was a personal challenge. You know, I take it as that. But everybody gets to benefit from my personal challenge now. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, very interesting experience. I learned a lot about myself mm. um, during the experience. Um, something I didn't didn't expect to do. You know, yeah. I started figuring out my best creative time. You yeah. know, like I figured out when I'm best creative. I figured out what motivates me. Yeah. I figured out how to get those things out of me, how to pull the best out of me. I figured out my lows, my highs. Yeah. I got really emotional sometimes when I was writing stuff that I felt very close to or personal about. Mm. Um, so it's definitely a great experience uh, writing a book. I, I definitely, um, I definitely plan to do it again. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I have another book out by the holidays uh, this year. Awesome, so, that's amazing. Yeah. And where did the title come from? Don't dumb down your greatness. Honestly, the title came from uh, frustration. You mm. know, I felt like for a long time I had to. Um, first of all, there's different definitions that can go behind this book sure. title, but this is the one that really inspired the title. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had to dim my light to make others comfortable. Mm. You know, I felt like I was I was getting a lot of love, I was getting a lot of shine, a lot of publicity, a lot of different things, and I felt like to make other people comfortable, I had to fall back a little bit and be a little bit humble and not really 
um, experiencing and the, the 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 greatness that was going on in my life because I wanted to make other people who weren't getting those things comfortable. Mm. And the truth is, if someone is uh, if someone feels uncomfortable by your success, then that's somebody you shouldn't be around. Mm. That's somebody you shouldn't you know be be associating with. Yeah. And so that's why the title I said don't dumb down your greatness because I'm going to show you all the things I've learned that made me feel great and made me be perceived as great by others. Mm-hmm. But then also I'm going to show you how not to let other people um get in the way of that. Yeah. And so that's, that's what good. the book's about. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, just want to work towards wrapping up now. Mm-hmm. Just want to ask you a few fireside chat questions quickly. Cool, 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 um, cool. So, favorite book other than your own? Uh, <laughs> uh, the f- I would say The Obstacle is the Way. And who's that by? Ryan Holiday. Okay. Yeah. What's it about? The Obstacle is the Way about Stoic, about Stoic philosophy. Stoicism, yeah. It's like a 2017, 2016 version of Stoic. Oh, I read... I think I've got that book, The Daily Stoic. I've got The Daily Stoic. The Daily Stoic. That's what inspired The Daily Stoic, actually. Right. Actually um, written by Ryan Ops- Holiday. Yeah, written by Ryan yeah. Holiday. So The Daily Stoic was inspired by um, his previous book, The Obstacle is the Way. People started, and I, I wasn't the only person, people really loved that book. And Stoic, you know, he kind of rebirthed that philosophy. Stoicism, and yeah. He made it. He made it more mainstream. Mm. Yeah, more mainstream. Usually, I hate when shit go mainstream, but I'm like, I'm so happy he made this <laughs> mainstream because I would have never, you know, discovered this this right. philosophy. Awesome. Um, biggest inspiration. Biggest inspiration, I would say, is um, I would say my mother. I think my mother is my my first investor. You know, to me, you know, when I think about what inspires me, what keeps me going, it's always my mother and my brother, you know, mm. because they were the ones, you know, I spent the most time with in my life. Yeah. You know, I grew up with a single moms. Mm. Um, just me, my brother, and my mother moving house to house. You'll read about that um, in the book. Um, and she became my biggest inspiration because now I feel like everything I do is in, in an effort to not only make my life better, but to make hers better yeah. as well. So, That's good. Yeah. Um, what's the single piece of advice you would give to a startup founder? Personal development is more important than business development. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think you know, for me personally, when I started to develop myself personally, that's when everything in business started to work right. Right. That's when everything in business started to work right for me. And so if I was to talk to a startup founder, I would tell them to focus on personally developing yourself. Right. Where would they start? How do you start? Learning how to deal with failure, man. Mm-hmm. Learn how to motivate yourself. Learn how to love yourself. Yeah. You know, learn how to respect yourself, respect your body, your mind. Um, learn how to create goals. Yeah. Real goals. You know, and learn how to go after them. Learn how to execute. Learn how to persevere. Yeah. You know, those are things that I feel like if you're not those are those are all important things for entrepreneurship. Yeah. And it's like if you jump right into it, you know, some people learn the hard way as they go, but other people aren't as fortunate. Yeah. Sometimes a failure could really have somebody in the dumps, man. And I don't know who uh, came up with this quote, but I think they said, uh, you know, success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. You know, so how do you maintain enthusiasm? That's personal development. Mm. Learning how to maintain enthusiasm through all the obstacles. That's the reason why Obstacle is the Way is my favorite book. Yeah. Because Stoic philosophy kind of teaches you how to persevere. But not in a whole, let's be motivated way, but in a, in a practical, very 
common sense way. Like, yeah. yo, like this is what it takes. Mm. And not running from the mountain, running over it, mm. or better yet, running through it. Yeah. Okay. So. And I think that's a perfect point yeah. to stop. <laughs> Anthony, thank you so much for coming no, on the show. No, this no, was no great. No problem, man. No problem. Shout out to everybody listening. If you want to contact me, you can always email me, Anthony at AnthonyFraser.com. And definitely check out my website, abfc.co. Um, and listen to the VC cheat sheet, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Just want to say another massive thank you to Anthony for coming on the show. And guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you purchase Anthony's book, Don't Dumb Down Your Greatness. I've read it. It's a great book, and I think it's a really good read if you are a founder of any colour, to be honest, um, and thinking about starting a startup or getting involved in startups. It really does break things down for you. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And if these shows are bringing you any value, please leave us a review and share your favourite episode on social media. You can tag us at Startup Handmedowns on Instagram and at Startup HMD on Twitter. Until next time, guys, keep grinding.